This episode of the Major Issues Podcast is brought to you by Patreon.com slash CBC Clubhouse. Comic Book Click is on Patreon, guys. For as little as $0.10 cents a day or $3 a month, not only can you help keep the lights on here at Comic Book Click headquarters, but your donation gives you access to exclusive content like CBC commentaries, polls where you can choose what content we cover next, and special behind-the-scenes footage of things here at Comic Book Click. Visit Patreon.com slash CBC Clubhouse today and become a Patreon. And remember, you, yes you, are worthy. Hello everybody out there in comic book land, my name is George Serrano, aka The Don, and if you're listening to this, you can only be here for one reason, and that's a brand new episode of the Major Issues Podcast, brought to you by ComicBookClick.com, and as always, I am never alone. Sir, if you could please introduce yourself. I am Dan, the comic book man, everybody. Dan, the comic book man is here, and we're here to celebrate. It's a celebration for a senior citizen in the Marvel Comics uh, lexicon at this point, turning the ripe old age of 60 years old, uh, the character of Spider-Man. And, man, when you talk about, like we were just talking about, the lexicon of superheroes in general, um, you got to talk Spidey uh, from television to movies, cartoons, video games, the merchandise alone. We're talking about one of the most popular comic book characters of all time. And we Could you thought, say the face of Marvel. Yes. Could you, make an, he, you can make an argument that he's the flagship of Marvel. Yes, I, I would say that hands down. The only reason why people might perceive anything different was when they sold it to Sony and they kind of, you know, they kind of started to try to put other people up in front. What we look at now as the Avengers, the people who are um, household names, you know, you couldn't tell me who Clint Barton was 15 years ago. You feel me? I didn't know who that. Was. I didn't know who Clint Barton was. That's that's. I didn't sad know Captain me. America's name was Steve Rogers. I just always knew him as Captain America. Right, right. So, and I think, and I knew him from. I knew him best from Marvel versus Capcom. I didn't really see him and he would he would cameo in different television shows and stuff like that. But besides that, it was all about Spidey for me. And there would be a picture of me as Spider-Man as a young child if I wasn't absolutely frightened when they put that mask over my face and I realized I couldn't breathe. <laughs> I was like, you know what? Oh no. I'm not doing this. This is just a sock. I'm not this is this is just a sock over my face. Great power I, comes great responsibility of not being able to breathe. I was gonna say uh, great recessibility because I'm gonna need some <laughs> freaking <laughs> give me the freaking uh, Heimlich past that. But yeah, man, he was inescapable. And I guess we should also say up front, Dan, me and you are New York natives, New York City natives, uh, born and raised, and so Spider Man is synonymous with the city, kind of always has been. Hundred percent. Um, we'll be leaving the conversation for Spider-Man and cinema, uh, in a bit, but I wanted to ask you, what are some of your earliest memories with the character? I know you possibly can't remember the very first time or where you were or what you were eating. You know, it was 1993 and, but, uh, what, what can you thinking that's back as far back as you can remember? What can you remember about old Spidey, old web heaven? <laughs> 
the one of the clearest memories in my time of like being the first was the the 1992 animated series ah radio spider-man and if i had to remember an episode i think it was part one of the of the symbiote of the symbiote yeah. stuff because i remember clear as day seeing like rhino hanging from a, a clock tower with with the webbing around <laughs> oh, him yeah. and, it was beat like, rhino's ass yo he the no 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 was it was it rhino no it's it, shocker which was it was shocker because i'll never forget the shocker i'll get you shocker right <laughs> people call it i think it's on youtube as like one of the most overacted voice acting moments because the character like the actual character isn't doing much but the guy in the boop is screaming his head off shocker no, because i'll he chase you to said, the end of the earth <laughs> <laughs> That's what it was. That's what it was. It was. I guess it's it's more so. We're boys. Yes. We, the last time I checked, we were born boys. I'll check after so, this podcast, but yeah. So stuff. So stuff like Star Wars, cars, dinosaurs, and superheroes is just gonna be what's marketed to boys, especially eighties and nineties boys. Yeah. So I was probably wearing Spider-Man T-shirts as an infant. Right, without even really knowing, right? Yeah. For you, so like Spider Man is probably one of those things that's been in our life because I, especially now when when I'm like riding the train going to my mother's, I'll see little kids with their parents, especially little boys. Spider Man book bag, Spider Man light up sketchers, Spider Man T shirt, and it's it's like either Miles, it's like Miles, Gwen, and Parker. Yeah. Yeah. Well, they have that show now, right? Spidey and his friends. They redid Spider-Man and his amazing friends for, for literal babies. And Bro, I actually ha- I had tapes of that. I don't know where I got them from, but I eventually managed to have tapes of Spider-Man and his amazing friends with Firestar and Iceman. And they had their own little, they had like a, a swinging 60s apartment that would transform into like a, a command center. Like the couch would turn around and be a big, remember the big computers? Because they didn't think of anything. <laughs> yeah, it comes right out of the floorboard. All the buttons are hand-sized, so you have to, like, tap on these different color-paneled hand buttons. <laughs> um, but, yeah, definitely definitely the animated series colored so much of, of what I know about um, not only Spider-Man, but Marvel Comics. There's so much. Like, for years, I thought Morbius drank blood by sucking it through his hands <laughs> because I didn't realize the censorship of the show made it so that he couldn't suck blood. So they made him drain plasma instead, you know, so that he wouldn't... Um, so that it would anger plasma is blood right so they got away like, with doing it i think it's like been said I remember what's up no i think it's been said that um the man only throws one punch in the, in whole, the entire series in the entire series it's a bunch he of throwing only, <laughs> and, and like slide kicking <laughs> the only punch he throws is green goblin uh, well he, that man deserves to get punched that's it that's the only punch in the entire Spider-Man series I remember. He only punched Green Goblin. Other than that, it's uh, a lot of monkey flips, web shooting, web rope-a-dopes. Um, do you remember, because I had this on VHS, Spider-Man versus Daredevil. Was that on the animated series? Like those episodes? I think, I think it was It was one of those um movie spinoffs that are related to, to, right. to the Spider-Man series. We need to definitely cover that one day. If you look, you type in like Spider-Man versus Daredevil and you literally see like half of Spider-Man's face, half of Daredevil's face. 
the poster is like an all black poster with like the nineties artwork, the Spider-Man nineties artwork. And I yeah. think it is, I don't know if it's its own thing, but last I remembered it, it was like one of those movie spinoffs for the series, like a movie uh, tie-in. Right, That's right. Like a made for TV movie. Like a like yeah. one of those kind of Okay. And it's like it's like an hour fifteen, hour twenty minutes. And I think it's during the part where Spider Man's like public enemy number one. Because I remember that arc even as a kid, where he was growing the arms, Punisher was yes. looking for him, yep. the X Men didn't want anything to do with them because you know, well, you're not a mutant, you're just mutated. It's like Right. That was that whole thing. And then like I said they introduced so many different characters in this. Um in my opinion, the voices of the gob the green goblin and venom those are the voices i hear when i 100% read venom green goblin i don't know why that whiny that whiny <laughs> i'm the green goblin like i don't know that giddy whiny old school villainy thing i thought that guy killed it but yes the the venom constantly you know well, i will have to to add on to that because and I love Vincent D'Onofrio. You and I know I love Vincent D'Onofrio. Yeah. But the 90s Spider-Man Kingpin is my Kingpin. Yeah. It, no, that I would say so as well. Yeah. Like just something about that voice where it's like half Russian, half Eastern European. Despite the right. man. Just, I will crush despite the man. Like, like, yeah, just vaguely European. Um, <laughs> and like you were saying, we had this conversation off the air. Like, I always feel like the shows that do these adaptations owe it to the people who watch to um, be as comic book accurate as possible because you're informing an entire generation, seemingly. Like how I, how I just said, you know, I learned about venom and, and morbius and those characters from this animated series one of the best things that they got um to be understood about kingpin in the animated series is that he wasn't fat like he kept calling him fat and then one day he like goes to like hit him and the kingpin just grabs him and goes i am only 10 percent body fat or something like that no. and squishes yeah. him and you're like and you're all of a sudden you're like oh no so he's not just some big lazy guy sitting in a chair running things he is only sitting down because if he got up, if everything's going down, like he's about to break everything in this place. No, and so that's that why. Really I, and as much as people don't like to admit it, I will have to say, for that alone, Mark Michael Clark Duncan is second top tier Kingpin live action because you know everyone's like, oh, Kingpin, he's supposed to be fat. He's supposed to be fat. No, my guy, Kingpin is just supposed to be legit, like juggernaut. Like yeah. he's supposed to look round. But he's not round. So when you have that fight scene with Ben Affleck and Michael Clark Duncan, and Duncan takes the the suit and the shirt off, and he's built like a Mack truck, I'm like, yeah, that's kind of what Kingpin should look like. He should be someone that's like six seven, built like an anvil. Yeah, and the thing is, because he was in that series, I always equated him to Spidey. I didn't realize how important he was to Daredevil. Same uh, for me. Yeah, and so, but Kingpin debuts in Spider-Man. I want to say Punisher also debuts he in Spider-Man. Punisher debuts in, like, Amazing Spider-Man, like, in, like, the 40s or, like, almost near the 100s. And it, yeah. I, I remember the comic cover is, like, the red dot site is on yeah. Spider-Man. And then you also see Punisher with, like... The crosshairs, yeah. The, that's what it's called, crosshairs, yeah. It's like, he has, he's, he's pointing the crosshairs and he's got, like, a giant gun. Yeah, yeah, he does, and big white boots. <laughs> You're right on that because watching the Daredevil, not only watching the Daredevil show, but watching Trial of the Incredible Hulk and seeing that even in the 80s, 
Kingpin and Daredevil were like Spider-Man and Green Goblin. It's pretty crazy that the show, the way Spider-Man worked. They're like, Spidey got enough villains. <laughs> we're going to give we're gonna give one to Matt. He, he needs some over there on that well, side. I mean, besides lower level street crime, he really only had Elektra, uh, kind of, Bullseye. Yeah, and, and I... Well, I would say that Kingpin is more of Daredevil's shadow than he is Spider-Man's. Like, you know how they always say the villain should be a bit of what the hero is? Like, everything that... The opposite of... Yeah. yeah. Everything that Matt stands for, Kingpin stands for the opposite. He plays between the rules of law, and he makes fun of justice, and he commits Which is weird coming from a vigilante lawyer. But that's a conversation for another day. (laughs) A A whole another day. The last thing I wanted to say... As far as early memories, I've already mentioned almost being suffocated in the mask, and I talked about being a huge fan of uh, the animated series. But my la- my last early memory uh, has got to be I was about thirteen when um, the first film came out, and Damn, you were thirteen for that. Yeah, I was there nine. Were, there were lines around the block. Uh, if you didn't get your ticket early and if you were just walking up, I don't even know if they did early tickets or whatever, but when we went. No, they did. Remember movie phone? Oh, yes. Yes. Movie yes. phone. I'm about to bring it back for some of the listeners. Yeah, that voice. Uh, but yeah, lines around the block. It was a phenomenon, especially in New York, um, this Spider-Man movie. And I didn't realize how close to the actual origin of Spider-Man that first movie got. It basically did it all, and they did it all in a, in a in a good way. You know, they um were able to encapsulate everything that they wanted from the comic book character, but also gain the origin story across. Um, maybe even improving it a little bit by okay, making. Okay, so it- let me ask you because you asked this to our our good friend, the amazing Kryptonian. So yes, uh, for, uh, with Superman, I'm gonna ask you with Spider Man, mm-hmm. organic web, organic web, or web shooter. I go web shooter only because I like, especially now that we've both played the Spider-Man PS4 game, the idea of like tricking them out is pretty cool, right? Like the idea of like having trick shooters or trick webs or electric webs. Well, or... That's also an idea that's been in video games for a while. Do you remember the Spider-Man for the PlayStation? Hell yeah. Yeah. You can collect actual tokens around the city. One was a web ball. One was mm-hmm. the uh, net like... Yeah, yeah. I, I organic felt like they forgot he had them, and then they were like, "Well, we don't have time to have him do them, so we'll just say they came with it." Uh, but it was something that they ended up eventually rolling into comics at one point. Um, I, I just just a tad bit weird. I remember reading Animorphs, and at one point they they merged into spiders. I want to say, and they said that they could feel when the webbing was out, like if we're going to use the bathroom, kind of like they can feel. So I always had that in my mind as for like when Peter knew he was going running low or or any other stuff like that. But it just it, it leads to a lot of questions. <laughs> In this, in the, I mean, we'll be covering his origin today in a, not, I guess we would, yeah, we'll be covering his origin today in Amazing Fantasy 15. And he was using like fishing wire. And then it was fishing wire with like wet cement on the ends so that it would stick onto, stick onto things. So I'm glad technology in itself uh, has fixed itself. But one thing that bothered me, and and so you can kind of see that directors, filmmakers, Hollywood studios have been doing this. For so long, but Raimi didn't want web shooters. 
Oh, he didn't want him it's at not, all. It's not. It's not that he was against web shooters in general, but if, what I remember reading was that he didn't believe the fans would believe someone like Peter Parker was smart enough to make their own shooters. He didn't want any like complaints of like, oh, how is this fifteen-year-old kid, you know, making his own web shooters, sir? It's the comics. This well, you brought up you brought up an interesting point, which I think also ties in. We talked about you know being from New York and being you know growing up boys and uh, that what, what that life entails. But the idea of Spider Man being a hero that was also a child, that was also a kid, uh, you know, adds so much to that character's mystique. Um, and not only a kid, but a, a one that wasn't popular. So he wasn't rich. He wasn't popular. He still didn't really get the girl, even after being a superhero. Um, there's a joke that now has come full circle that even Parker acknowledges that he has what's called Parker luck, which means every time that Peter Parker is just happy enough, something goes wrong. Um, and I, yeah, I think, think that Chip Zardarsky's uh, life story where I first heard, because I've always heard Parker luck. Mm-hmm. But I've never seen it in the comics. I always just thought that this was one of those unspoken jokes by the fans. That right. good old Parker Luck. All that good old Parker Luck. Right. And then he, they literally write him in to say it in a couple of instances. I can't tell you how many, but there was a couple of instances that I read in the comics of Peter Parker himself saying, oh, it's just that good old Parker Luck. Don't worry about it. It's just that Parker Luck or... Oh, that's just my Parker luck. I'm like, yeah, he's acknowledged that. So this is a real inside joke. Like, this was acknowledged that life just be dragging him. (laughs) That's his acknowledgement that life just be having his way with him. And so, how much easier is that to root for than the brooding billionaire with the car and the clothes and the women, or the alien with the unobtainable physique and unobtainable powers? Like, those characters are great. And I don't down. I'm not trying to downplay out and out Batman and Superman. But when you're talking about a kid's imagination and who a kid can see themselves being, it was always going to be Peter. That's the reason why he gets. He's up there. Those are the three most uh, worldwide recognized symbols in superhero medium. Superman, I want to say it's like Superman, Spider-Man, Batman. <laughs> but it might uh, be uh, now. Are we ranking the order or just we saying three? No, that, I think that was the order. But it might be, if, if anything, it, it's, it's those three. But you know, if order doesn't make anything. But it might have been at one point. It's kind of weird. Because I'm biased. For the fans that don't know, I have a Spider-Man tattoo on my leg. Yeah, that's like like I'm from literally Queens. I'm from this like from Flushing. Yeah, when I was watching when I was watching the first Spider-Man movie in theaters. I was literally pointing out places that I've been or like I've, I I literally was just on Woodhaven Boulevard today. They keep doing it, bro. They keep doing it. Even with the new MCU Spider-Man, Frank and K. Lane is his high school. Literally. literally yeah, that was the train stop. That was a train stop around the corner from my house at one point. So 75th yeah, like, Elders Lane. 100%. I used to have to get on that train, seeing all the beautiful women get off to go to Lane and then go to my school <laughs> in East New York. So that's that was yeah, uh, so, fantastic. So as much as I want to be biased on this one, I would have to say that the most revered, recognized, and celebrated superhero symbol is Superman. Yeah. Like, it's like you... It, it's to the point where I can name you 10 bands that have all made a Superman song. Oh, I Either calling it. it Superman or Kryptonite or some kind of I like way. Goldfingers. I have never once heard some 41's I Think I'm Spider-Man. Oh, no. No. Like, right? Um, but 
a train did a song for them. But any, but anyway, <laughs> but um, I yeah, like his his cultural touchstone is is undeniable. You know the the and even being considered up there with Batman and Superman. I have to remind people, Batman, both Batman and Superman had about a 20 to 25 year head start, you know, in comics before Spider-Man would show yeah. up in the 60s. Uh, and that's a lot of time. That's a lot of time to be holding things down. And and there's a, there was a lot of big superheroes in that era. But when Marvel came in 1962, you know, Fantastic Four, I think Fantastic Four 61. Um, and then um, Spider-Man in 62, X-Men right after that, Hulk, Thor, they start rolling people out. Yeah, um, they had and, Tales of the Astonished, Tales to Strange. They yeah, because I think Hulk. Thor and Hulk are both um, celebrating anniversaries this year as well. Yeah, I, I, I think they're both in Tales to the Astonished. Yeah, and so it's like um, they were on a roll. But one of the things that has come out lately is there seems to be quite a debate as to how much certain creators had to do with <laughs> the creation of certain characters. I've come, I, this is not to disparage the dead because now both co-creators of Spider-Man are dead. <laughs> so I'm not here to disparage the dead, but the um, rumor is that one of the men was a very flashy Bob Kane-ish kind of better at talking to the people, better at being a salesman type. And the other guy was more of a details uh, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll work out the finer details. I'll come up with creative villains. I'll come up with, you know, and then the other guy's like, yeah. And, and, uh, make him, uh, a brunette, you know, like that, <laughs> like, you know, and put a period at the end of that sentence. And also, uh, put that, make a building in the back of that. And that would be there. You, you, know, you know, my problem wouldn't, I wouldn't have as big of a problem with something like that. If the other man was paid the same amount not less, not more. Same amount, flat rate as the other creator. But Funky Flashman. <laughs> yeah. Funky Flashman ended up. By the becoming, way, that's a super deep cut for those super, who don't know. So super I'm, I'm going to leave that where that is because I'm going to let you be the subject matter expert on this. I'm just going to leave that where that is. Guys, look it up if you haven't. But um, yeah, yeah. No, you're 100% so right like, when it comes yeah, to that. Yeah, like I, I get it because. It's, it's like Chip and Dale, you know, it's like the first banana, second banana. Somebody does have to be the mouthpiece if you don't have the confidence or the abilities to do that. But you can, from my understanding of it is, if you see those armpit webs, if you see that small little sim spider symbol on the back, but it's like fat, that's Ditko. Yeah. There's certain eyes where you can tell is McFarlane, but... Probably one of the most recognized <laughs> costume like drawings of Spider-Man. That's Ditko. The weirdest thing for me was there's a panel in the Amazing Fantasy where he seemingly has dots in his eyes. So it's the it's the white eyes, but they have dots in them. I'm just like, what what's going on there? And just but, uh, one individual dot in each eye. Yeah, yeah. When he's holding up, the, when he's grabbing the criminal, he's like, oh my god, this is the guy who I let go, or whatever. He has two dots in his eyes. If you can come up with that image, you'll fucking crack up. But um, let me give you the various narratives of how Spider-Man was created. And I'll let you decide um, and let readers decide or listeners decide on uh, who's in the right. This is 
obviously from Wikipedia, so it's been altered, but this is the story as it's put. In 1962, with the success of the Fantastic Four, Marvel Comics editor and head writer Stan Lee was casting uh, um, new ideas for a new superhero. He said the idea from Spider-Man arose from a surge in teenage demand for comic books and desire to create a character who teens can identify with. As with Fantastic Four, Lee saw Spider-Man as an opportunity to, uh, to get out of his system what he felt was missing from comic books. In his autobiography, Lee cites the non-superhuman pulp magazine crime fighter The Spider as a great influence, and in a multitude of print and video inter- insta- uh, interviews, Lee stated he was further inspired by seeing a spider climb up a wall, adding in his autobiography that he has told the story so often that he has become unsure about whether or not it's true. <laughs> so Which, you, that, that, yeah. that sounds like a funky Flashman thing, right? Like, how do you come up? Well, I'm sitting there and I'm looking and there's a spider up on the wall. I'm like, how do you get up there? He's holding himself up. Hey, wouldn't that be crazy? If a, and then when I went kid, to go kill the spider... I rolled up this newspaper to hit him, and when I unrolled the newspaper, it said the spider. Oh, my yeah. God, I got the greatest idea in the world. Yeah. <laughs> I'm telling you. Um, this I like. Although at the time, teenage superheroes were usually given the names ending with boy, Lee yeah. said he chose Spider-Man because he wanted the character to age as the series progressed. And more so, uh, felt the name Spider Boy would have made him look inferior to other superheroes, which I think is yeah. True. That's what I remember in a different way is that there before Spider Man, anybody can correct me if I'm wrong. There was never a teenage hero. Not but really. He is, no. the first, he is the and I mean side like usually teenagers are sidekicks. Right. Yeah, you're a teenage hero. Robin is obviously a hero. Kid Flash, but I mean like a hero without the mentor. Right. No. Someone yeah, like Peter right. Parker in DC would have been Spider Boy to a Spider Man, of course. With yeah, the same and, way with Robin. Yeah, and I also think that, um, you know, uh, it, it, while there were obviously other teen heroes, they probably weren't leading their own uh, titles. You know, uh, they probably didn't have their no. own, their own, you know, number ones and stuff. Even looking back here. The Teen Titans themselves, the most popular team of, of teen superheroes, uh, debuts in 1964, two years after Spider-Man. So, and yeah. then 20 years later, you get uh, Chris Claremont's New Mutants in like 82 or 84. Right. right. They start to, 20 really start years to, later. They start to really start looking at some of the, um, some of the teen heroes and see what they can do. Uh, but like he said, yeah, he named the Spider Boy for that. He also decided to insert a hyphen in the name because he felt like when the the title was on a comic book and you looked at it fast, that it might look like Superman to you. So they uh, yeah. put the hyphen. Well, he's not wrong, actually. Mind you, again, this is him, in my opinion, speaking as a salesman. You know what I'm saying? Like brand, I don't want no brand confusion. You know what I'm saying? Oh, like, 100%. And 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 whether or not it actually did look alike, I think it's it that doesn't even that doesn't even matter. Whether or not whether or not it did actually look alike to a to a salesman, he just didn't. We wanted to make sure that there was going to be no issues. With well, that. I mean, in in fairness, people have to stop making red and blue their col- their costume colors. <laughs> well, it's primary like, colors, right? Yellow, green, red, and blue have been comics forever. Yellow and green for no, Aquaman, blue like- and yellow and gold for Superman and Wonder Woman. It's like, like, it's like how many how many characters can you name 
created before the eighties, they all had blue and green. They all had red and blue costumes. It's it's ridiculously crazy. My thing is Marvel love to put their villains in purple and green for some reason. Uh, they really, really dug that color scheme. They did it with Green Goblin. They did it with Kang. Um, I'm almost certain uh, Molecule Man or one of those two is doing the same thing. No, and, and the worst part about it is is they're not even complementary colors. Neither is no. red and blue. No, Red and green are complementary colors. Purple and yellow. Orange and blue. <laughs> Yellow and green is Hydra, and yellow and green is Loki, and uh, green green is is Enchantress, green is Green Goblin. Like I said, they found green Green was not a very heroic color. There's Mr. Purple, there's Thanos. Yeah, yeah. I think, no, Chameleon has... What, green what would, green guys are not... There's not a lot of good green guys, bro, in Marvel. Green's a evil color. Unless you color. count Arrow. Marvel. Green Arrow. No, green no, no I'm talking about Marvel, Marvel. Marvel. Yeah, Marvel. Uh, shit. Yeah, well, I'll just sit on that. <laughs> Jesus, wait a minute. <laughs> yeah, there's not a lot. I don't know. I don't know what their beef is with it, but that's just. And I'm sure some. I mean, the Hulk is green, right? I guess you can count him. He's the Hulk would count as green because he has green with purple pants. But his most defining feature is he's destructive. So at the very least, green is a destructive character, a destructive <laughs> color. You know. Um, Steve Ditko originally intended the character to be orange and purple. Would you have liked yeah. that? Oh, you said stop using red and blue. Tattoo. Yeah, I did say we do too much red and blue, but orange and purple. Why I don't even know how purple? red and blue comes up with a spider. Uh, I guess if I had to be really honest, all of it is American flag colors. Oh, yeah. yeah. Spider-Man, and they Wonder were... Woman, Superman. And they were looking for their flag waiver, so that makes sense. Yeah. Captain America, even though he's got the Puerto Rican flag basically on his stomach. <laughs> Like I guess most of these characters are supposed to be hard working American born. We want American made comics, you know, the, yeah, all that man. propaganda. Early sixties stuff. So like so uh Stanley still had to get this approved by the Marvel publisher Martin Goodman. And so he remembers like the arguments that they had when he first was trying to bring him up because he was trying to get like answers for every single one of them. And so one of the things was they were like, we'll just, we'll just try Spider-Man out. We'll put him in that amazing fantasy book that you got. 15 is going to be the last issue anyway. So we'll throw him out there. We'll see how he works, you know, and if you cancel, you cancel it. It doesn't matter. No one will ever think about this again. Um, and it was indeed the last issue. Amazing Fantasy 15. Um, it was on sale on June 5th, but it's it's cover dated for August of 1962. And we're actually recording this on the very first day of that, uh, 60 years later. So that's, oh, that's right. Today is Spider-Man Day. I'm telling you, bro. Spider-Man Month, in my opinion. <laughs> well, no, of course, it's going to be Spider-Man Month. But I mean, I just I forgot, like the, the fans are going to listen to this on the third. But we're recording this on the actual 60 year debut. Ah. Um, so Lee got the approval. We'll do it. We'll put it in Amazing Fantasy 15. Um, he got the name for the ordinary teen concept. He got the name or, um, he got approval for the, uh, Spider-Man name. He talked to Jack Kirby, uh, and Kirby supposedly told Lee about an unpublished character on which he had collaborated with Joe Simon in the 1950s, which an orphan boy living with an old couple finds a magic ring that granted him superpowers. Um, so Lee and Kirby immediately sat down and just had like a conference for ideas and stuff and helped him supposedly Kirby helped him flesh out some of the character and draw some of the pages and Steve Dicko would be the inker. 
Um, when Kirby f showed Lee the first six pages, Lee recalled, I hated the way he was doing it. Not that he did it badly. It just wasn't the character I wanted. It was too heroic. So he turned to Dicko, who developed a visual style that Lee found satisfactory. And according to Steve Dicko, one of the first things I did was work up a costume, a vital visual part of the character. I had to know how he looked before I did any breakdowns. For example, a clinging power so he won't have hard shoes or boots. A hidden wrist shooter versus a web gun or holster. I wasn't sure Stan would like the idea of covering the character's face, but I did it because he it hid an obviously boyish face. It would also add mystery to the character. I'm does you understand what I'm talking about? So some guys sound like they know what you know how to have made this character. And some guys sound like they might have just signed off on it. Uh, it's it, it's basically it's like it's like Vince McMahon yeah. versus like somebody that knows what they're doing you know like certain people it, it's not to downplay marketing abilities some that's, people just that's have huge that's so huge ain't it like that's so right? huge in its own in its own category and that how often does that happen someone has a good product can't get it out needs somebody a bit more flashier to do so but what happens at the end of the day who do they remember for the product do they remember, remember um, the, the, the mouthpiece yeah, or uh, what's his name? Uh, Ray, what's his face from the founder? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, they had a good product. They had a good method. And, oh, yeah. and then, and then uh, you know, McDonald's just gets eaten up by somebody who's a bit more flashier, who's a bit more business-minded. It happens all the time. Um, although the interior artwork was by Dicko alone, Lee rejected Dicko's cover art and commissioned Kirby to pencil a cover that Dicko inked. Uh, <laughs> so he... So he told one guy to make him <laughs> make him a bunch of pages. The guy gives him the pages. Says that nah, I don't like that. I'm going to the other guy. Then that guy makes a cover for him. And he goes, nah, 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 I'm good. I'm going back to fucking <laughs> Kirby. Um, in an early recollection of the character's creation, Dicko described he and Lee's contributions in a mail interview with Gary Martin, published in Comic Fan Number Two in summer of 1965. So this is brand. This is like right off the presses, three years after his creation. Uh, according to Dicko, Stan Lee thought the name up. I did costume, web gimmick, on wrist, and spider signal. At the time, Dicko shared a Manhattan studio with noted fetish artist Eric Stanton, an art school classmate who in 1988 interviewed, uh, did an interview and recalled um, that although his contributions to Spider-Man was almost nil, he and Ditko had worked on storyboards together and I added a few ideas, but the whole thing was created by Steve on his own. I think I added the business about the webs coming out of his hands. So his roommates basically like, yeah, Steve made the character. I added a couple of things when he needed help, but that third guy who's saying like he's walking around going, Hey, it's me. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, and he said that he initially envisioned an orange and purple color scheme. Uh, rather than the famous red and blue. Well, I mean, look at it with Bob Kane. It, it, like, yes, you know, you and everybody knows I'm a Bill Finger diehard. Bill Finger will always be the creator of Batman to me. But you know, Bob Kane came in with the red and gray. Yeah, that red and gray outfit. It's like domino mask, okay, blonde hair. <laughs> you know, it's like so when you when you when, when you look at those ideas of what Kane had and what Lee had. It's like, damn, you might be the name and the mouthpiece everybody remembers, but if we went by your original idea first, yeah, they probably never would have gotten as big as they got. No. Never. You can speak. No. You can sell. You're a great producer, but you're a terrible <laughs> creator. Yeah.
so Kirby disputed Lee's version of the story and claimed Lee had minimal involvement in the character's creation. According to Kirby, the idea for Spider-Man had originated with Kirby and Joe Simon, who in the 50s had created a character called the Silver Spider. Uh, this is the same thing that we were talking about with the, you know, the young kid and, you know, getting the powers and whatever. Um, uh, yeah. So, yeah, Joe Simon, you know, co-creator of Captain America alongside with uh, Jack Kirby. Simon, Simon later elaborated that his and Kirby's character conception became the basis for Simon's Archie comics hero, The Fly. So they, they're like, he's just derivative. All of this stuff is just derivative from everything else. <laughs> this character is not even famous yet, and he's already getting copycats. And yeah. Uh, Joe Simon it. concurred that Kirby had shown the original Spider-Man version to Lee, who liked the idea and assigned Kirby to draw sample pages of the new character, but disliked the results, which that's all we all agree that, that that's something that happened. Um, in Simon's description, Captain America with cobwebs. That's how he originally drew <laughs> Spider-Man, which is why he didn't like it, you know. Um, and but that cover that we of the comic we're covering today, Amazing Fantasy fifteen, that famous cover with him swinging with the person underneath his arms, that's uh, Jack Kirby, uh, art right there. Um, neither Lee or Kirby's explanation explains why key stores, story elements like the magic ring were dropped. God, I'm glad he didn't have a magic ring. <laughs> um, and then they said that odds are they took away any magical elements so that it wouldn't get confused with Kirby's character off the fly. Um, and yeah, so Dicko apparently was like, this kind of looks like the fly character. And he told Stan uh, at the, hey, this looks like the fly. And Stan was like, yeah, uh, don't really worry about it. We'll change out some stuff, uh, you know, to make it so that it's not the fly. And that's, that's basically what they did. <laughs> Um, Dicko said, I still don't know whose idea was Spider-Man. <laughs> he don't want to take full credit for it. Um, and I think that he says, if Marvel store was a valid cr created work by Jack, his creation, then why isn't Spider-Man by Stan and me valid created work or our creation? Um, which, you know, you can't really, can't really fight that. Um, Jack Kirby noted in a 1971 interview that it was Ditko who got Spider-Man to roll and the thing caught on because of what he did. Lee, while claiming credit for the initial idea, has acknowledged Ditko's role, stating, if Steve wants to be called co-creator, I think he deserves it. <laughs> I've never seen that quote. What do you mean, if? I think he deserves it, man. I don't know. But what is he saying? He's saying if? Obviously, he was co-created by Steve Ditko. If uh, he's saying if Steve thinks he's co-creator, then Steve <laughs> is co-created. He thinks it. <laughs> Yo, that's some pettiness right there, bro. Wow, Stan. Funky Flash uh, Man strikes back. He has further commented that Ditko's design for the suit was the key to the character's success. Since the co costume completely covers Spider-Man's body, people of all races could visualize themselves inside the costume and thus more easily identify with the character. Which is kind of great because that's a line in No Way Home where Electro's like, well, you know, you helped the little guy, you wear a mask. I thought, you know, you could have been black instead of, but, you know, there's a black Spider-Man somewhere. Yeah, uh, they say that... You, well, they do they also in Spider-Verse as well, right? That like anyone can wear the mask, which I thought was pretty, pretty cool. Um, they, uh, 
the cultural historian named Bradford W. Wright wrote that uh, Spider-Man's plight was to be misunderstood and persecuted by the very public that he swore to protect. In the first issue of Amazing Spider-Man, J. Jonah Jameson, publisher of the Daily Bugle, launches an editorial campaign against the Spider-Menace. The resulting negative publicity exacerbates popular suspicion about the mysterious Spider-Man and makes it impossible for him to earn any money by performing. Eventually, the bad press leads to authorities to brand him an outlaw. Ironically, Peter finally lands a job as a photo photographer for the same thing, but it's the idea that he, the city rejects him. You know, like Metropolis didn't reject Superman, and to my knowledge, maybe eventually Gotham got over Batman, but New York <laughs> turned on Spider-Man from the moment, from the very beginning. So he's poor. The people who save him don't like him, and uh, he doesn't get the girls, and he's a nerd. And it's like, <laughs> you know, like... <laughs> How could you not root for the guy? They've already kicked mud in his fight, well, in his because eyes. Because he's he's the literal definition of an everyman. Yeah, he every boy. is the actual well the, the every boy. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And it's 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 truly it's hard, especially coming from me. It's hard not to just look at Spider Man as like the moral compass of my life. We're both from Queens. We're both nerds. We both didn't get the girls in school. We always got bullied. We didn't really have many friends. Are the closest people in our lives or the people that raised us? So it's like, it, it's like it's really hard being a kid from Queens, a nerd from Queens, to not look at Spider Man as like you are, you're us, you're everything we want. And he truly is, and I'm glad that they made him this way because he truly is everything you should want to be, not everything you want to be. There's a difference. Everybody wants to be rich famous good looking cars and big houses you should want to continue to save the city even though they hate you it, because, it you know, takes a lot though doesn't really go through that but that's what, not now now they're doing it right now, now doing it, yeah. do we need a superman oh, yeah, shut the hell up. you guys have hey. been we, we've been asking that question for 80 years and no one's been giving us the answers like, <laughs> and no one's paying this man <laughs> so no no one is paying him. Not only is any people not paying him, but think of this. Superman existed in the time of World War II, the Korean War, the um, the Vietnam War, the Cold War, and he's yeah. still saving people that yeah. he shouldn't be saving. And you know, from America's standpoint point of view, yeah. not one issue of oh, is Superman a Russian spy because he saved <laughs> this falling train in Ukraine during the Cold War? No one asks those questions. No one cares. Spider-Man can't even save a baby from a burning building without saying, did Spider-Man start the fire before he put it out? Like, how do we know it's a real baby? <laughs> All that stuff. Uh, are, you, are you ready to get into Amazing Fantasy 15? Let's do this, Brutus. One of the things I've noticed right off the top, man, is there a lot of writing on every page. <laughs> I oh. forgot. I forgot how expository early comics was. We early comics this was, was like one more problem. Yeah, I, early comics is very much like, wow, good thing I woke up today on a Tuesday at eight o'clock in the morning because I have to be at school at nine o'clock in the morning. You know, school, that place I go to five days a week. Yeah, I love going to school, but maybe not. You know, it's all that. It's all that in the first page. You Dude, know. This is literally one one word bubble from just a random word bubble. Sensational, fantastic, and that mask gimmick gives him more than just the right touch of mystery. 
He was terrific. I thought he was sensational and fantastic. Now, yeah. now he's mysterious and terrific. <laughs> but also it was all the adjectives. It was before what it also taught me is like it's almost before the days where they used to let people, I guess, either ask an answer or interrupt each other. You know, they, I think it's before they realize how they can order bubbles to cause in, interruptions and stuff like that, because everyone just says everything they're feeling in one bubble. And then the next person just says everything that they're feeling in the next bubble. And everyone just waits for each other to talk. They all say one thing and then it's kind of a wrap. Uh, as we open the comic, we see that Peter Parker is already getting drugged. He's wearing some like '90s bell-bottom jeans and a and a white button-up with a vest. The guy doesn't it's look the, great. It's the bow tie for me. The bow tie and the pocket protectors is what really sells it. It's the vest for me. Like just, <laughs> it's the Aladdin McLovin. Like you don't <laughs> you don't wear a vest to school. There's you there's you can't. There's no cool way to wear a vest to school. Not at the age that you're at. Aladdin McLovin. <laughs> yeah, McLovin and Aladdin. Um, and then and then the worst part about it is like they go, well, you know, Peter Park, young Peter Parker, he's not great with the kids at school, but his, you know, his aunt and uncle sure love him, which makes him look like even kind of more kind of <laughs> lame because they both the like the best Here. was his aunt May thinks the sun sets and shines on him. I'm like Jesus Christ. Did that not, wasn't, isn't that from a phrase that's a bit more rude than, than... yes, it's, it's <laughs> Uncle Ruckus says it to uh, Huey and the family in the boondocks where he's like, yeah. I bet they think the sun shines and sets out the crack of your ass. Right, right. That's how I've always remembered it, but maybe it started this way. No, first. that's because, because the thing is, that is, a I guess nowadays, that would be a rude comment. It's like, oh, yeah. I bet you think the sun sets and shines on you, huh? It's like saying the the world revolves around you, not yeah. too many words. Right, right, and um, you know, she's making him his famous wheat cakes. He's he's making him his famous wheat cakes, which is which is funny. It's not pancakes. It's not it's not pancakes. It's not um, uh, flapjacks. It's wheat cakes. Um, I have and no that, idea what wheat cakes are. I think there is a recipe for them in one of the comic in one of the Spider Man comics. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. I swear to you. Um, and you know, Midtown High School, Midtown High, first fucking issue of the comic that has to do with Spider Man. He's in Midtown High, uh, establishing um Aunt May and Uncle Ben. And both of these characters, Aunt May and Uncle Ben, are near death. This is they're like eighty year old uncles and aunts. Um, which makes me think that the first Spider Man film probably got it the best with the casting, because they look almost ripped out of this comic book page. Uh, it shows like he's great with his uncle. He's great with his aunt. He's great with teachers and he's great with other scientists. But alas, other teenagers can sometimes unwittingly be so cruel to a shy young man. And he like just hits mean, up a girl. George, and, like, yeah. I don't, I don't peg you to be a mean person no. at all. I don't peg you to be no. an asshole. But if someone comes up to you and literally says, hey, do you want to go to the science exhibit after school? Yeah, you're not working with me here, Peter. You're not working with me here. But you say that until you're 35, right? No, Flash don't look so cool. Specific now. Flash don't look so cool at 35. You can only be the jock leader of the, you know, uh, head of the football team for so long. So like, now if at 16 someone was like, "Yo," if he was like, "Hey, Sally, would you like to invest in Bitcoin?" Is this this thing going on? You understand what I'm saying? Next thing you know, he's Elon Musk, and everybody's not. And Amber Heard is coming to your house. Son, 
I don't know if you're watching. I'm, this is off on a tangent, but I don't know if you're currently watching the this season eight of Flash. Uh-huh, but no, it's, it plays in my house sometimes. Yeah. And there was there was like an episode like two weeks ago of, of tech tech con. All of our main. Oh, stars yes. No, that was con. that's the uh, that's the crossover event. That's with um, uh, the Adam shows up, right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. We covered that on an episode of Major Issues Podcast. It was the uh, it, Armageddon crossover. It was not good. It looked so bad. It, it looked wasn't good. so bad. He's just um, he's just walking around with a with with a, with um with a guest little badge, and everyone's like, "Oh my god, you're Barry Allen. You're like the smartest guy ever." I'm like, yeah. "Yeah, that doesn't happen. That's not happening." We're gonna we're gonna end up probably covering the last season of Flash in its entirety. It would only be nine episodes. Uh, I've got to put that baby to bed, man. I raised that thing for so many years. No feeling <laughs> problematic. No little retrospective. Uh, I, you know, we almost did an episode of this podcast called like The Flash, What Happened? You know, like because we were just going <laughs> off. And I think we added a little bit to, of that to the, our Armageddon uh, rewatch because I had left the series. I missed an entire season of that series and went back for just that crossover. And it wasn't like I was super confused. It was just like they, it, nothing had gotten interesting while I was gone. Um, and that's the thing, like these first impressions, all it takes is to watch or read one thing. And if you're not digging it on the outset, these things fail. So this, this issue had to hit, you know, it had to, it had to, uh, have you ever read this, this specific issue before we were covering it for today? One time, a very long time ago. Like I have never actually read amazing fantasy 15 until I finally did. What'd you think? And I will tell you straight up, this would, this would sell me. Yeah, this genuinely would sell me the, from the wrestling to the way he gets his suit to how the suit looks, all the flashy colors. Like you don't see, you you rarely see any browns. You see a lot of like blues and yellows and purples. Like it, yeah. it, it just felt it feels warm. Reed oh, and is, by the way, at this time when this guy's being all dorky and and whatever, Jessica Jones is digging him. He don't even know. <laughs> That's, that's right. <laughs> this man yeah. could have had the greatest life in the world, but he's too busy chasing blondes and redheads for the. Could could you imagine the uh, photographer and the PI on the same team like that? That that's they would literally have like the greatest job in the <laughs> yeah. world. They could be able to make the greatest money. Also, not only that, but Mayday Parker would have been a could have been cooler. Yeah, Mayday yeah, Parker would have been a Jessica lot Jones. cooler. <laughs> What's oh, funny yeah. here? What's funny here is we've only we're only a couple pages in, and we've already established Peter Parker. We established Aunt May. We established uh, Uncle Ben. If you put a gun to my head and ask me randomly who else was established in the first issue of this comic, I probably would have jumped the gun and said maybe a Gwen Stacy, maybe a Harry Osborn. Flash Thompson. Flash Thompson. Flash that crazy. King Thompson was the first guy to. He was the first bully. Get out of here! <laughs> Don't Get you know you lame, Parker? Uh, yeah, bookworm. Uh, they, they they literally call him bookworm twice. I'm looking at this right now. Uh, give our regards to the Adam Smashers, Peter. <laughs> yeah, loser. <laughs> They're all chain smoking in a, in a hot rod, <laughs> driving away. Uh, They're listening to those damn Beatles and those damn but, Sex Pistols. But I was a bit taken aback because he goes, someday I'll show them. Someday they'll be sorry. Sorry that they laughed at me. And I'm like, oh, no, this is – I don't remember this part of the origin. <laughs> He's like um, – but they're literally just doing – they're literally just shooting radioactive waves. He goes to, like, an exhibit where they're just shooting 
a waiver rate. There's not meant to do anything or to do an experiment. They're just shooting, showing people that they can shoot radioactive waves. As they do this, a spider comes down very similar to Into the Spider-Verse. How they're just doing an experiment and a spider just happens to fall in the middle of the beams of light. Um, and he's like, a spider? It bit me. But why is it burning? Why is it glowing? <laughs> and it bites him. And then he's like, uh, I feel strange. And they all laugh at him. They're like, wow, that experiment must have really, really rattled Peter. Um, but he's like, what's happening to me? I feel different. It's, it's as though my entire body is charged with some sort of fantastic energy. He almost gets hit by a car, jumps up into the air, and finds that he can climb walls. Uh, he finds out that he has super strength because he goes to grab a pipe that's on top of one of the buildings and it basically crumbles like paper. Um, and he's like, it must have been the spider, the spider. And I love all the talking to himself, right? Because he has no one else to tell these things to. <laughs> he's like, the guy's alone. The poor yeah, guy's alone. It's got to be the spider. I can walk down this cable as effortlessly as the spider itself can glide along its web. I've got uh, time to think. I've got a plan what to do with this unbelievable ability. But it turns out that he is get um he sees an advertisement a hundred dollars to the man who can stay in the ring three minutes with Crusher Hogan in a wrestling ring. I am now going to look up what a hundred dollars would have been <laughs> in nineteen uh nineteen sixty two. I think like at least two hundred, maybe three hundred. Yeah, let me see a hundred dollars. But yeah, I know Bonesaw. This is the equivalent to about a thousand dollars, nine hundred and eighty-one dollars. Damn, that's a, so, and that's kind of what he was looking for with the car in the movie. He was looking for three grand. Yeah, and think like think about it to a kid, to a teenager kid, to get thousand dollars in one go like that. You might as well be rich. You could buy anything, do anything, buy clothes, all that kind of stuff. Hell yeah. So you give I can, me $100 at 14 and I think I'm rich. You give me $20 at 14 I think I'm rich. You crazy? Yeah, this guy had 200 So he decides that he's going to go ahead and do that stuff. He takes off his glasses because he doesn't need them anymore. He just puts on a like a, a – uh, he puts like a thing over his face. What was it? That Like a blanket or something? Does he say? No, he doesn't say what it is. He just puts over yeah, like a – kind of look at mask but like one of those old ski masks where they where it's like a knit hand yeah. ski mask so you see like the seams mm -hmm. and the wrestler is just a bald wrestler no knee pads no no shoes animal steel i'm not even gonna front wasn't he like built like kingpin but with just the black trunks and the green tongue uh yeah yeah, I would say so. I'm very hairy. And, well, yeah, yeah, very hairy, of course. Um, but he basically just outmaneuvers Crusher Hogan and then lifts him up and, um, like, lifts him up above everybody else. And so Crusher Hogan just gives up. He's like, you win, you win, you win. So uh, down there, a bunch you know, of, like, first match was not a quit match? Oh, yeah, right? Stand three minutes. Uh, the In the movie, it was less than three minutes, so they say he's not going to get his money. But in this... He, he basically schmoozes with a bunch of high-powered executives who want to make him a celebrity. They gave him his money, and they're like, come back. We want to put you on the Ed Sullivan show. And um, he, he has a blast. He makes his own spider costume, uh, unbeknownst to his doting aunt and uncle. 
He uses fishing line to make his own spider webs. We also see here uh, the debut of the spider web wings on the very first issue, you know, Amazing Fantasy, boom, spider wings. So that's cool. I'm not going to lie. I, go, I gotta stop saying that, but no joke. Spider webs, spider armpit webs. That's my Spider-Man costume right there. Yeah, you like that? There's, there, there is something about it, and I guess it's aesthetically pleasing. It looks good to the eyes, maybe because you know aerodynamics-wise, it would help. But then again, it does have holes. But there's just something about the web under the armpits that just get me. It's like I love it. It's like I think it's a pretty it, cool aesthetic. Yeah, it's like a, it's like a stylistic choice, but. Am I bugging or does it kind of look like it makes him an adult? Like hair under the armpit. I think the whole outfit, I think that's what kind of that's kind of what it plays on, right? This idea that um you're not supposed to see a kid when you see it. It's very hard to imagine a kid unless you can hear his voice. And that's why I, that's why I thought it was so important for Tom Holland to play that role because my entire life he's looked like an adult. <laughs> In my entire life, he's looked like a six foot six linebacker. Well, uh, that's my also my problem with it is that do, do we and they never really and this is this is this is Amazing Fantasy Fifty Nine. I've never read Amazing Spider Man issue one either, but unless they've explained over the years that his spider powers made him taller, my man is only supposed to be like what five five. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I don't think the Spider Man comics ever said that he woke up with abs. Right, that was a movie thing, so I don't no, know. That a, yeah, that was a movie thing as well, but but also like yeah, with Amazing Fantasy fifteen, they're kind of bringing in some, they're establishing somebody that's in universe pre-established, but not really, if that makes sense. Like, like, like yeah. he's he already exists in the world you're about to read, but not even in the world of which the comics exist. So Spider Man didn't exist in you know with Captain America in World War Two, but when you're reading him, it's like he already existed. So he, feels really he feels lived in. He feels lived in. Yeah, you. that's the word I'm looking for. It's like they're introducing a lived-in character where all you need to know is here's ketchup. Here's the expositional ketchup of who he is, but he's already established. That's how I felt with Jessica Jones. I, th- I think they did a good job with Jessica Jones and even Sentry. Right? They made Sentry yeah, feel like he's been there, Sentry. like he's been there, but you know he wasn't. Um, so yeah, he has uh, a spectacular showing on TV where he just does a bunch of like tricks and ooh and ahs a bunch of people in the crowd. And they're like, this guy's going to be the greatest. Um, and then it was like, yo, we'll put you in the movies. We'll put you in. We want photos of you. We want to do an interview. And he's like, yo, see my agent, bro. I'm busy. So we're already getting some of that uh, piffy, more confident dialogue as Spider-Man, which I think is amazing. And then the moment. You see him standing there at the doorway and some rando just starts running away and a cop is chasing him. And he tells the cop, oh, the cop, you can hear him say, stop, thief, stop him. If he makes it to the elevator, he'll get away. And the guy does make it to the elevator and in true expositional fashion says, I'm safe now. That cop can never get down to the lobby as fast as I can in this high speed express elevator. Everybody just loves talking to themselves in the 60s. I think it was a real problem. Of drugs were bad in the 60s, bro. Um, and then the cop comes up to him, comes up to Spider-Man. He's like, yo, why did you just let him go? All you have to do is like trip him or hold him or something just for a minute. And he goes, sorry, pal, that's your job. I'm through being pushed around by anyone. Look, now, uh, I mean, from, from now on, I just look out for number one. That means me. I remember that panel, but I remember that panel in like watch mojo type 
origin of Spider-Man type stuff. And that's so crazy how he basically said, I missed the part where that's my problem. Yeah, but I love that it's tied to the wrestling event. I love that it's like in this, he's going to go back on TV for a couple more times before he realizes the mistake of his ways. But I love that he almost got no time. Like as soon as he decided to give attitude and be a little bit, you know, um, of a diva, he immediately saw consequences to that. But we'll Which, okay, I'm sorry, but, and you know, you, you know how I am. You, you know how I think. And, and I, I want to be able to see the positivity in that. I want to be able to see the message. But it's like, so you're telling me that this dude spent a quarter of his life getting pushed around by everybody. And the second, the, the minute he stands up for himself, his father dies. I'm so, supposed to just on, so you gotta help help me understand the message to that at least. You're coming to the you're coming to the right person. You're coming to the right person because that's why I'm asking only you. Because I believe that by saying that and by doing that, they show that certain people with power don't get to mess up. They don't, they just don't right. It's 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 the cop. It's the cop. No, I'm sorry. It's the cop who never shot a single person until he does by accident, and he's never done it. And he he shows that he's never done it. He's always been competent, you know, un, until he does. He can't be lazy. He can't be uh, you know uh, not mindful or um, you know he can't say the one day my head was in a different space or the one day that my my gun didn't have the safety on it. it there's a certain class of people that we expect maybe too much from but it's because if they don't the results could be horrendous and no, i get that like especially like um what's it called um like in a few good men the whole argument in a few good men is like you you need men that are going to make the or you need people that are going to make the decision for you yeah yeah and so, like, I, I, I guess this might have been too. I, the comic probably did it better than the movie in the sense that what are the odds in the movie? But in the comic, um, you know, I guess they let him spend some time with his fame because he literally, you know, walks out, tells the cop to save his breath, bounces out. Um, this is how I knew that Peter wasn't uh, smashing poon at Midtown High when his parents. Well, it's just a weird. I'm sorry. It, it's just a weird um extreme. Like, and I, I I get the responsibility nature of it. It's just I. It just still bothers me that you know all he said was you know that's not my job and his uncle dies and it's kind of it's kind of an extreme and I get I do understand what you mean that we do often expect too much from some people and some people cannot like can not mess up. You know, truck drivers, airplane pilots, these are people that cannot mess up. And, you know, but the extreme of killing this poor dude's uncle because he told the cop that it's not my job to do your job. It's kind of an extreme. Yeah, it, it, it is. But I think it literally taught him about responsibility, right? Like it, nothing could hit harder. What, what, other, what other options did he have at that point? Right. And so if you think about it in the creator space, you have the character on one end and you have the end goal of where you want them on the other. Right. And they only had 10 pages to do this. So they go, how do we get him to really learn about responsibility? And it's, it's by taking something from him. Um, and this is something that they'll do to this character 
forever. For the next 60 years, they'll take his aunt, they'll take his girlfriend, they'll keep taking from him almost to remind him. His girlfriend twice. Or they'll, yeah. no, they'll take two versions, two different two, girlfriends. Two girlfriends, yeah. Yep. Dude, dude got married and then it was a it was a clone, wasn't it? Yeah. But he's, he went back only to end up having sex with the Green Goblin. There's a lot of there's a lot of weird stuff in Spider Man's uh, lore, but I think um, yeah he the man gets gifted a microscope, and I'm just like, like it's the one he always wanted, you know. Uh, well, I'm I'm not I have to play devil's advocate for a second because when I was a kid, I did want a telescope, and I did get a telescope. And I felt like the coolest person in the world that I would just go out into the front of my house at night and just look up with a telescope. I felt, I don't know, I felt cool. Well, now that I, I think about it, I, I didn't know until I went to the military that I needed corrective vision. <laughs> so I used to just look at microscopes and go, okay, so it's the blur, but closer. There was no... There was no fun for me there. It's just, oh, look, like, the blur is Oh, closing. so I'm just supposed to see blurred, <laughs> enhanced. Okay. Yeah. In, zoom and enhance. Zoom and enhance. 4K um, blur. I like this. I like this 4K blur. Bro, no daily bugle. We got a daily voice. We have a, the viewer. We have daily chronicle. And I can't see what the top one says. But, yeah, everyone's talking about the Spider-Man because he's on TV literally doing dog and pony tricks. Like, he's, he's hey, look at me web this and look at me climb here. Um, and then one evening he's coming home and he sees a cop in front of his house and he's like, what's that? What's going on there? And they're like, bad news. Your uncle's been murdered. <laughs> I'm shouldn't laugh, but that's not how you tell a person, right? <laughs> you don't say bad news, son. Your uncle has been shot, murdered in front of his house. Like you say, Hey, come inside, bro. I got to talk. I got to talk to you. There's been something going on. But he's like, Uncle Ben, it can't be. And he's like, who did it? Who shot him? And he's like, it was a burglar. Your uncle scared him. But the guy ran away. And he's in a warehouse. And we're about to go down there to go get him. And then um, and he's like, but, you know, you should really talk to your aunt because she's really stressed out. And Spider-Man's like, nah, fuck this. And he puts on all his clothes. <laughs> he doesn't go comfort his aunt. He jumped out of a window. And he's like, I am going to kill that man <laughs> because uh, the police are going to take too long to get there. So I'm going to get there. And this is right out of... The first movie where he uses well, his rage. Go ahead, brother. No, because because I was also thinking it's like, it, as much as it's like right out of the first movie, that particular scene is kind of out of Amazing Spider-Man, the Mark Which Webb one? one. The the where where uh, Peter and Aunt May are home with the cops in their house. Oh and the yeah. Cops talking to them, and then Peter just immediately leaves the house. Yeah. Like, Can I have yes. that picture of that wanted photo? And then he leaves. Yeah. With, with the 2002 movie, yeah, it was like right at the wrestling event, right there. Right, and then they went to no, the I, warehouse. I, yeah, it wasn't. No, I let this guy get away, and then, and then a couple of whatever later, then, the, then my uncle dies. Yeah, yeah. Also, um, I don't think there was any. There wasn't really any fighting, and I don't think the. I don't think. Uh, I think it kind of enhances the the death of Uncle Ben in the movies with having the last thing that they they see each other as a fight. Yeah. Yeah. And just the conversations about like, you know, what you should be and who, who you should be in this world and how a teenager would obviously rally against that and be angsty and be like, eh. like all of that stuff brings true to me. Um, and so he manages to get inside of the warehouse. He sees the goon and he kind of like plays around with him, webs him up, punches him in the face. And then when he unmasks him, he realizes it was the guy um, 
that he left that he let uh, go and get away when the cop stopped him. So he says, it's the fugitive who ran past me, the one I didn't stop when I had the chance. My fault, all my fault. If I had only stopped him when I could have, but I didn't. And now Uncle Ben is dead. It, I kind of teared up a little bit with that panel because like you look at him and he has like tears on his face. Do you see the his- dots on the eyes when he's holding the, gro- when he's holding the guy? Does I your do version have dots, dots yeah. on the eyes? Doesn't that look weird? But that's but the the worst part is that's the only panel in this entire issue with dots on the eyes. No, that's what I'm saying. I don't know. Like, did it? He, was he so shocked that his eyes went through the, through the freaking material? I actually, no, I actually think that that's what it's supposed to look like. If you zoom in, you see the those expressions. Yeah, that looks like to draw that you're um nervous or you have anxiety right. because yeah. you know you can relegate anxiety to six lines on the side of your head. Yeah, I'm actually turning these pages, and his eyes are not as expressive as they will be later on. Well, cause I think that's a, I think that's um, what's his face? McFarlane. Yeah, I think that's a McFarlane thing. But I do love, no joke, the final monologue that ends this comic. That whole picture too, the picture, the panel, him walking off into the, the sunset moonlight. or whatever. Yeah, the moonlight with the with the buildings on the side, like walking a desolate New York street, and no joke, that's one panel will end up being like the most recognized panel in movies. I know it's not Spider-Man cinema yet, but like that specific panel or that that theme of Spider-Man walking in an alley in New York City, bathed in moonlight, basically with feeling the skyline. Alone. Yeah, with the skyline. Yeah, not just being alone, but feeling alone. Yeah, it's also oh. an image that they use for um uh Spider-Man No More, when he dumps the, the suit in the trash can and he walks off. Um, yes, yes, yes. Walks off into the sunset. But yeah, like... Alleys. He loves alleys. So what were you surprised about after reading this? What was something that kind of took you off guard? Uh, And this might be a reach, but is that or is that not Captain Stacy? Uh, that would be pretty interesting. I got to go That's back Captain and double check. Captain Stacy, am I bugging? Like... He's drawn just like Captain Stacy. I know, I know that they've gone through after the fact and they have um up subscribed or ascribed um names to these people. Isn't that funny? Yeah. Like they've gone after the fact and been like, oh, that the blonde is actually this character. And you know, this so and so is actually this character. Uh, I mean, look at the way they retconned Jessica Jones to ending up being created basically in the 60s when she was only created by Bendis in 2000. Yeah. But now they're telling you she's been there since 62. She was she was the one girl that wasn't laughing when Peter was being laughed at. You just see that one girl not laughing. Right, right, That's right. Good. Yep. Yep. And um, you do. Yeah. You do. <laughs> That's actually pretty funny. I'm looking to see if uh, the cop, the cop, the cop science, they know who the science teacher is. They know the uh, other classmate. The blonde girl is Liz Allen. Um, and Liz Allen was, that's right. I forgot she, she was named so early. Uh, da, 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 da. Agent. No, the officer who tried to arrest the burglar is identified as Bernard O'Brien. <laughs> it's like an Irish ass, <laughs> Irish ass cop name. Uh, Bernard O'Brien. Bernard um, O'Brien. Um, yeah, and she wanted to ask him out, uh, Jessica Jones, in Alias uh, Twenty Two. So 
I thought that was pretty interesting there. I think my biggest takeaway, honestly, it had to be like what you've been poking on the whole time is it really was like accurate. Well, Sam Raimi's version was probably the closest to Amazing Fantasy 15. Even even though it doesn't like you know it doesn't have um the web shooters, fine. I'll put web shooters aside. If I actually get a Peter Parker with glasses and not a Peter Parker that wears contacts and only puts in the glasses because he found them and apparently they're his father's and that's just a whole can of worms of corrective lenses at that point. It's like, how can you really be wearing your father's glasses? Like, don't you need, do you have the same prescription? So it really is a taking back of, damn, that wrestling event was, was real. That was a, that was a real thing. The whole Johnny Carson and actually naming Johnny Carson, all that. That's just, that's too good. That is just way too good. I, I look back at other origins of comic book characters and I struggle to find ones that have so much of what makes the character already established in the first issue you know we've read the, the detective comics origin and even the action comics one and you know like one of the funniest things about like the action comics thing is that the panel of him with the car in his hand uh, once you read that comic it gets recontextualized that he's smashing that car on a rock he's not like save it didn't fall and he's grabbing it it's a car full of bad guys and they were harassing lois lane so he flew up he, they kidnapped her they kidnapped her and put her in a car they were at like a dance her her and clark and these guys like hey you're coming with me doll and they put her in the car and they drive off and then superman shows up in the middle of the road and he's like you guys better get out of here and he grabs their car and he smashes it on a rock and that's the cover of that comic and it's like what he wouldn't he wouldn't do that now but that's you know that's no, how they started when him. they retextualized that con that comic cover in superman and lois he's literally saving a traffic accident i think gun to your head if you if you had to guess and you had no frame of reference you would say he's saving those people there's only one telltale if you look at the um comic cover there's somebody running away in horror he's holding his face <laughs> And he's closest to the panel, and he's running away in horror. Well, <laughs> and that's I, I, to tell you much, what's going know. on there. That would I mean, I, I have literally seen people go on uh, crying tangents in a New York City subway because they saw a mouse. Yeah. So it's like, I mean, if, you, if, if you're just a normal bystander and you literally see someone like 6'5", 200 pounds of solid muscle, pick up a Buick over their head. I think you're going to run away in terror. Yeah. Yeah. Unless you're going to uh, be like the little boy from Incredibles that was like, that was totally wicked. So there has been many, 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 many retellings of this origin. And every time they retell it, they add a little bit to it, right? Because they, they want to kind of flesh it out. The, his origin story has been told in what we just read, right? It's also been told and added onto in Amazing Spider-Man number 94. Spectacular Spider-Man Magazine number one, Amazing Spider-Man number 200, Peter Parker, the Spectacular Spider-Man number 60, Marvel Graphic Novel number 46, Web of Spider-Man number 90, Spider-Man Taggle Web number 14, Spider-Man with Great Power number one, Spider-Man with Great Power number five, Amazing Spider-Man volume three number one, and, and Spider-Man season one number one. <laughs> Damn, Yogi wasn't lying when he said 21st appearances of Spider-Man. Jesus yeah. Christ. You understand? Uh, and like we said, the, the cover was ultimately published for uh, Amazing Fantasy, but it's not the original one because Steve Ditko had to write over it. Um, and they, 
in 2005, they redid another volume of Amazing Fantasy. And the 15th issue of that volume, uh, we were given context to the cover of this story. That issue reveals that the guy under Spider-Man's armpit is a guy named Steve, named after Steve Ditko, who fell from his office window while trying to catch a glimpse of Spider-Man who was swinging by on the way to his first show. Spider-Man catches Steve mid-air, burning uh, blurting out in the process the words in his utterance on the cover. But Steve screams in shock, unable to pay attention to what he says. Peter brings Steve to safety on the ground and gives him a ticket to the Ed Sullivan Theater and swings away. So now we know why that, that's on the cover and what that's about. And, if, and you know what's so crazy is now that is what my what what the actual cover for Action Comics is. That's always been my idea. Of yeah. Amazing Fantasy 15, I always thought he was just swinging a bad guy to jail. See, and he's saving I, a bad I, guy's I, life. <laughs> if you ask, if he was to ask me, oh, what do you think this cover tells you? Uh, Spider-Man stopping a bank robbery or an armed robbery of some sort. But he's catching a guy that's accidentally falling and then gives him free tickets to the show. <laughs> yeah, to the, so, hey, come see me. What's also funny is that Amazing Fantasy was an anthology series. So once this story finished, it had a bunch more. I completely forgot. I thought the whole thing. So I was like, man, all this text is dense. If I'm getting 36 pages of this, this is about to be a hell of a breakdown. But no, it was only about 10. Um, Yeah, I got a bit scared myself because I'm I'm like, I finished it like at the part where he's walking away. And but because I'm reading on my on the phone. Yeah. On uh, readcomics.com or whatever. You just keep scrolling. Because right. it's an anthology issue. And I'm like, wait, who is this old guy? What is, yeah, what is going on? The bell I had to scroll ringer. back up. Yeah, the belt. That's it. I was like, oh, the belt. Oh, I was about to say, wait, where did we jump to? What is going For on? For whom the belt? <laughs> For Uncle uh, Ben, apparently. Oh, that's... <laughs> so, <laughs> the, in the anthology, the, the, the stories are, were supposed to be relegated to two or... To, uh, sorry, three to five pages. But because this was double that, they just split it up into two parts. <laughs> Yeah, so when right. you read this in the part, part two. one and the part two, uh, so yeah, and again, it was the last issue, so I guess they're like, screw it. Um, would you like to hear a little bit about the cultural significance after this uh, issue came out? Of and then course. I'm, and then I'm going to end with a bit of a quiz, Mr. Daniel. Ooh. Bum, bum, bum. I don't like homework. Uh, it'll be fast. So a few <laughs> months after Spider-Man's introduction, publisher Goodman reviewed the sales figures for that issue and was shocked to find it was one of Marvel's highest selling comics. A, a solo ongoing series followed, beginning with Amazing Spider-Man number one in March of 1963. So that's the first Spider-Man series. Amazing Spider-Man number training, one. I think, I think yeah. if, if I'm not mistaken, before Superior Spider-Man 2012, Amazing Spider-Man was the longest single title comic book. Well, I, it's probably Spider-Man. I got to find out when actually, when it just stays just Spider-Man. I got to find out how many issues of just Spider-Man they are. I don't know if... I'm almost certain that the issues of Amazing Spider-Man are wrapped up in, in the count for Spider-Man. You know what I'm saying? Um, but I got to double check. Uh, yeah, the title eventually became Marvel's top-selling series, with the character swiftly becoming a cultural icon. In 1965, which is three years after this issue came out, Esquire polled a college campus and found that college students ranked Spider-Man and fellow Marvel hero The Hulk alongside Bob Dylan and Che Guevara as their favorite revolutionary icon. Excuse you. 
Excuse you. Say that again. You know, Spider-Man, Bob Dylan, Hulk, and Che Guevara. You know, those guys. Those guys that are so, so two superheroes, a folk singer, and a communist leader. Okay. There's a lot, there's a lot going on. One interview we oh. <laughs> selected uh, Spider-Man because he was beset by woes, money problems, and the question of existence. In short, he's one of us. That's deep, right? <laughs> that is deep. Okay, so this is what I found real quick. After DC's comics relaunch of Action Comics and Detective Comics with new number one issues in 2011, it had been the highest numbered American comic still in circulation until it was canceled. The title ended its 50-year run as a continuously published comic with the landmark issue number 700 in December of 2012. It was replaced by Superior Spider-Man as part of Marvel Now relaunch of Marvel's comic line. And is this the Spider-Man title or the Amazing this Spider-Man is the, title? This is, this is, this is Spider-Man. This is the Amazing Spider-Man title because I typed in Amazing Spider-Man on Wiki for the comic ah. run. And it, it, it was the longest single – it was the longest continuation title with a 50 – literally a 50-year run. And it ended in its 50 years God. to bring in Superior Spider-Man. 700 Man. issues, bro. It's a lot of fucking issues. Continuous. Seven, that's six, that's 50 years of lore in one story that didn't stop. Dicko would leave in after issue 38. Uh, John Romita Sr. replaced him as penciler and would draw the series for the next several years. And you um, can so see with, Rem, with Romita's style. You yeah, can see Rem, what, what Romita Sr. is good. Junior is a bit, he's a bit hit or miss. Um, uh, yeah. So, obviously, great character, great cultural significance. And Dan, I have a really easy quiz for you, in my opinion. Um, and we'll we'll wrap things up with that. So, Spider Man, great character. We were just talking about Amazing Fantasy fifteen, the first you know thing that he debuted in. And, and unless you're gonna consider the burglar a villain, he didn't really get any super villains in this. But from the very first issue, he manages a supervillain. My question to you, Dan, is there are 10 villains, first 10 villains that debuted in Spider-Man comics. Now, what I'll do is, for some reason, listed as number 10 is the Sinister Six. So not only will I give you that as number 10, but it also allows you to know <laughs> that six of those guys are members of the Sinister Six. Well, so, I already know. Let me see. Do you think you can guess his first villain? Of course I can. It's Chameleon. Chameleon. That is true. I knew, I, I knew that one because Chameleon was using Spider-Man dressing as him to d- do crime. Yeah. Because that's Chameleon is the reason why Jonah will never trust him. Chameleon ruined that trust. With Chameleon gone, you don't got to do it in order. Left. No, no, no. Well, two and then the six. Oh, yeah. Well, <laughs> damn. Why would they do that with Sinister Six? No, no, no. no. They, they, they had already been introduced individually is what I'm saying. So if you could just name the six that you think it is, I can tell you which ones are and which ones aren't. And we oh. can see how many you can go through. Um, but like you said, his first one was Chameleon. So Chameleon's off the list now. And Sinister uh, Six is one, so there's eight left. Well, I think the original Sinister Six was Electro, Mysterio, 
Uh, Electro well, is I'm on the say, list. Mysterio is on the list. I want to say Doc Ock. Doc Ock is on the list. Ooh, Rhino? No, Rhino. He's not the original. No. Uh, gotta be... Maybe oh, there are damn. four. There are four people left. No, five people left for you to name. Four out of the five have had uh, have been portrayed in Lizard was definitely a Sinister Six cinematically. Lizard is on the list. Four left. Because I remember there was an issue where Spider Man literally went to Florida to fight the Lizard. <laughs> Swear to God, mm, there's better reasons to go to Florida. So not many, but there yeah. are better reasons. So. Chameleon, I got Electro, Doc Ock, Lizard, Mysterio. Damn. I want to say Green Goblin. Green Goblin is on the list. And there's two that debuted before him. And then there's one after him. <laughs> you only have three oh my left. God. In, in my head, I just see. Who so else is on like your Sinister two. Six? Who else is on your Sinister Six? So say them out loud. Shocker? Who, who no. Shocker? <laughs> no. 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 Uh-uh. Um, damn it. I want to say like Tombstone or Hammerhead? Nope. Those are probably like 70s villains. Right. Damn. Craven. Craven is on the list. I knew that one because Craven kills him. I knew that one. Now you have two and- more. Ooh, let's go. Let me know if you need a hint. Yeah, give me one hint. They've been played cinematically before. Sandman. Sandman is on the list. You have one left. I'm I'm at a loss. I got nine out of ten. You gotta you gotta leave it at nine. No 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 no. One more one more. You're right you're right here, bro. You're right here, bro. What you got Uh, for me? Hydro Man? (laughs) No. (laughs) Not Hydro Man. Uh, Venom? uh, Are you no? Are you Um, Venom? Nineteen sixty-three. I give up. Vulture. God damn it! Why did why did Vulture escape, man? You said played cinematically, and I was thinking of every single villain. And Kevin, uh, uh, Michael Keaton escaped me. Once, uh, once Craven gets his thing in his movie, uh, once he makes his movie, all of oh, and I think Comedian's supposed to be in that. All of um, his first ten villains would have been done in live action. In order for those interested, Chameleon, Vulture. Doc Ock, Sandman, Lizard, Electro, Mysterio, Green Goblin, Craven. But to consider that, that quite a hell of a rogues gallery. Yeah, and also to consider that, like Ock and um, Ock, Mysterio, Lizard, Electro. Consider all those guys were before Green Goblin. I think that's huge. You know, Green Goblin debuts in Amazing Amazing Spider-Man number 14 almost two full years after the character's creation until he got his Joker, which I think is pretty interesting. 
Well, yeah, that's also kind of funny because Joker wasn't created in like the first five years of Batman's. No, also not. Yeah, he he doesn't come yeah, to like later. The first later. villain Batman ever had, like, like if you want, besides, yes, we all count low levels, of course. Everybody knows street crime and thugs like that. But if we're talking about rogues gallery, Batman's first rogues gallery villain was Catwoman. Oh, wait, wait, wait. So he actually debuted in Batman number one. But as we know, Batman debuted in Detective Comics. That's right. That's right. I forgot. So it's, it's, the same thing, it's the same thing before. like this, right? With like Amazing Fantasy and then Amazing Spider-Man. Um, Detective Comics uh, is how Batman started off. I'm not too sure how far he got into that title before he... Um, before it just reverted to just Batman or whatever. But yeah, yeah, it goes to show um, that you never know who's going to be the one, the thing that hits or it's going to be the villain that everyone talks about and all that kind of stuff. But again, I, they just hit a gold mine, right? With getting all of this off the ground in the first five years, uh, you know, um, not even five years. Like I said, by 64, they have those 10 villains, nine villains and a villainous team in three years. Two years. That's that's unheard of. And they and, and now they did, a, they did a lot for this character. And it, it, these are one of those like Vince McMahon coming out in SmackDown of 2011 saying Drew McIntyre is going to be the the face <laughs> the of the company. Man. Like you know, like well, I, it, it was yeah, but ten years later, and he won WrestleMania main event. So or Austin you know. Theory for you millennials out there. <laughs> Yeah, anybody that calls him just a theory lost all of my respect. Yeah, He's I gotta call him the whole theory. thing. Oh my Same god, maybe we'll start, his name's maybe, Walter. Damn it! Maybe people start getting first names again. That'd be pretty cool. Can people start getting first names again? Not only that, can we go back to the rematch clause? I know this isn't a wrestling pro- my podcast, but I just want to say my grievances. I'm. I grew up with if you're a champion and you lost your belt, you get you're next in line for a rematch clause before the the whole thing restarts. Yep. Bring back rematch clauses. That's all I ask. Bananas. Um, but hopefully we get a rematch and talking about more spider stuff. I want to cover more spider we'll stuff this month. Year. We'll be here yeah, next yeah, yeah. year for, for Amazing Spider-Man. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm always down to talk Spidey and we'll find other avenues to do so. But I want to thank everyone out there for showing your continued support for Comic Book Click. As we wrap up this episode covering Amazing Fantasy 15, you know, I can't help but think of our origins in this podcasting world and we're getting close to our hiatus. And uh, so much is happening so fast with Comic Book Click. You guys, if you guys have been paying attention, just the growth online has been astronomical the amount of people that i have on um you know that we now have on staff that have been doing absolute killer work i I, this is the company i've always wanted it to be and it's growing even faster we just finished on tampa bay comic-con where i dressed up as a batman version of the mandalorian which was a blast and i held out cards so people can come and visit comic book click i hope we made some fans out there in tampa but if not, we hope to make fans each and every week as we cover the latest and greatest things to come to comic books and comic book media every single week here on the Major Issues Podcast. So first, I want to thank you guys for listening all the way through. Second, I want to tell you guys that everything you can want and more from Comic Book Click is at comicbookclick.com. Not only is our merchandise there, but every article is there written by us. 
We also have an about us section so you can learn a little bit more about the click and you can buy our merchandise straight from there. It'll send you to our T public store where we get a kickback from that. And that's one way you could definitely support us monetarily. If you still want to give us some more of your money, consider becoming a Patreon at patreon.com slash CBC clubhouse. And for as little as $3 a day, 10, oh, sorry, not even $3 a day, 10 cents a day, $3 a month. You can help us keep our lights on here and, and, and afford the hardware and the software that we need to keep producing content free of charge for you guys each and every week. Um, we're also, you know, you can, that those are the two biggest ways you can help us financially. If you don't have it right now at the moment, and I get it, grass is high, consider rating and reviewing us on iTunes or telling a friend about the podcast, because those are ways our podcast can grow. And not only that, we can grow as podcasters by finding out what you like and what you don't about the podcast. Send your reviews, you can review on any app that you're listening to. And we're available on all kinds of apps. We're available on Podbean, Stitcher, Podcast Addict, Apple Podcast App, TuneFind, YouTube, Spotify, Pandora, and more. The Major Issues Podcast is literally available wherever podcasts are found. Uh, and if you Google Major Issues Podcast, we'll be the first ones to pop right up. We are also constantly having conversations. Like I said, our social media is growing. So make sure you're following everything and all of our up-to-date stuff. Um by going to facebook.com slash comic book click, Instagram at comic book click, and using that hashtag comic book click to talk about the newest, hottest, latest, and greatest things to come to comic books and comic book media. Yeah, uh, I just want to give a quick shout out to ev- everybody that has helped this this Facebook and everything grow within the last few months. Since around April, we have had upwards to thousands of new followers, thousands of new likes. We went from 2,000 followers, 2,000 likes in the spring to now nearing 10,000. And we're trying, that is our goal. We're trying to get ourselves to 10,000 likes and followers on the Facebook, on the comic book click Facebook page. And you guys have been helping out so much. And it truly warms all of our hearts here that you don't know how close you came from not ever hearing us again, but your engagement, everything that you guys have been doing has helped us want to stay. So thank you to the fans. Thank you, every fan that has been a part of us. Yeah, I've done this for a very long time with blinders on. You know, I try not to look at the numbers and obsess over the engagements and stuff. I just try to put out good work, hoping that eventually those two ends would meet. And I'm starting to feel that right now. I'm starting to feel like we're at a very formative time for Comic Book Click, where the right eyes are starting to reach the right content, and we're getting the right people on board. So we are about to shoot off into the stratosphere and make sure that you guys are wherever we are, because wherever we are is where the party is. So make sure that you're there. Um, like I said, I've been to the future where I find out the comic book click is the latest and greatest thing to come to comic books and comic book media, but I can't do it because if I do, then you, your uncle is going to get shot outside of your house and I don't want any of that to happen. Damn, sir. I know. It's not up to me, bro. I can't break the time travel rules. (laughs) I can't break the time travel rules, bro. You understand? Uh, What is it? A butterfly flaps its wings in China or something. So my um, man is trying to, that's the grandfather effect is what you're trying to do. It's like, well, what existed? Did we exist in the future before the fans came or are the fans the ones that help us in the future? (laughs) So see how deep, see how deep it is. Uh, One way or another, we will become the latest and greatest. So keep making sure that you make us that Uh, like and share, subscribe, tell everybody to tell everybody and we will be back uh, next week. But my name is George Serrano, a.k.a. The Don. I am Dan, the comic book man. And this has been our Amazing Fantasy 15 recap or review. 
and review and remember <laughs> whether you got your powers from a spider bite whether you can shoot organic webs from your forearms or whether you give me the rent money or you won't give me the rent money until i fix your damn door remember with great power comes great responsibility remember we are the click and always remember that you yes you are worthy